I'm going to go ahead and jump into what I'm going to be talking about today. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And I'm, y'all cool with a story? Y'all cool if I share a story? Yeah. Go ahead and go um, to this picture. I, this might be a little small, but um, just felt like I would share this. This is um, a photo of a place, for you guys that don't know, I used to be really into vertical caving. Uh, it was just like a, a hobby of mine. It was a lifestyle. Before I got married, I was always um, journeying to do adventures underground. And what you see on the screen, if you can see it, is, um, and I asked, uh, I got these photos from a friend of mine that I'm acquainted with. He's actually a student pastor in Tennessee. And so he sent me some of these photos, and these photos are uh, from Chris Higgins. But this photo is a picture of a pit, um, which is a drop in a cave in North Georgia, and it's 586 feet. It is uh, the largest drop in the continental US. And I, so when I got into caving, I heard about this place, and it was always my aspiration to go to this place and drop this 586 foot pit. So you can see there's, if you can see in the right hand, there's two people there. you can't really see the top of it, and what you can see, it looks, uh, there's a waterfall that comes out about 500 feet, and so it's not like a, it's not a tourist thing. You, you go, and it's very adventurous, and you carry a rope the size of yourself up a mountain, and you go in, and it's a lot of work to get to this point to where you get um, to this, you're like, why is he talking about this? Is this, is this a TED Talk, or is this a message, like a sermon? Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll get to the point of, of why I'm sharing this. But so uh, it was always my aspiration um, to do the biggest and the baddest, coolest thing, right? And, and so I got an opportunity probably a year into caving. I got to do this um, amazing vertical drop. If you, if, to know the height, it's like, if you take, I think, the highest skyscraper in Atlanta is about 1,200 feet. So you, it's about half the size of that skyscraper. So, um, so I got to do this. Um, and But the thing that you see is this is completely lit up by lots of gear, um, lots of uh, like flashes that are powered by like car batteries and crazy things like that to get this amount of light because it's such a large, vast um, room and, and, and place that your little bit of headlamp does nothing to this place. And so when you get to the top, there's this little room probably about this size, and they call it the attic, and this is where you get ready to drop down. And it's just a black abyss, to be honest. It's like all you see is this large hole that goes way down. And like to give you a scope of like the size of this thing, like the acoustics in there are insane, like insane. Like you have to communicate from the top to the bottom. You have to stretch out your words like, hey, like that. You know, 
like for a really long time for them to understand. Most of the time you can't understand what somebody's saying, but you can attempt to try. So my point is you repel down this. This is another picture of it. National Geographic has pictures of this pit and all that. Um, and it's only for the, like the most um, professional, I guess I'd say professional, people who are experienced to do this kind of caving. And so once you get to the bottom, there's like 12 miles of just the most pristine, crystal, like beautiful, just cave. It's, it's amazing. Um, so you, you go, there's somebody on rope. If you can see that person, they're like, they're probably uh, just maybe 150, 200 feet off the ground. It's not very high. Um, so you, you, you come into this abyss. And I had done this, this pit probably half a dozen times. And it was always just so dark. And just, like I said, like my headlamp would do like nothing. And I had like a nice, I had like a nice lamp. A headlamp is like a $100 headlamp. It was, you know, it was pretty nice for me. But it didn't do anything with something to this vast and this size. But one time, I went several years ago on 4th of July, and there was, um, I had somebody with me, and they brought like a $200, like, or I don't know how much it was, but it was this large flashlight. And my headlamp was like, if you know anything about lumens, probably don't. <laughs> my, my headlamp was like 200 lumens, something like that. Well, this flashlight was like over 3,000 lumens. And so we went to the bottom on 4th of July, and he just set it down, put some rocks around it, and just lit up the whole entire pit. And we just sat there in two hours just in awe, just like, oh, my goodness. Okay, so why am I telling you this? So like, what I'm talking about is having the eyes of your heart enlightened. See, there were things always there, but I couldn't see them because there wasn't enough light being shown upon it. I mean, I could see colors that I couldn't see. I could see different spaces that I could see. And the same is true with our lives. You know, you have everything that you need in Christ Jesus. The word says in Colossians 2.10 that you are complete. And when it says that you're complete, it don't mean you're just kind of complete. It means you are crammed full. I mean, to where there ain't any more space to put God on the inside of you. You are full to overflowing. And the word of God, it says in Psalm 119 that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. See, I have an understanding of light that most people do not have. Most of you probably have been in an environment like a cave and they say, okay, everybody turn their lights off. Okay, kids with the light up shoes, stop stepping, you know. Okay, and now I want you to, everything's, all the lights are turned off. Now I want you to look. And you're like, I see nothing, right? But your eyes can adjust in ways to even to the darkest places that you can. I've been in places 
where I could actually, there was this one time I'd been underground for like 14 hours one time and we got to the entrance and light was showing in. And I was like, wow, that's bizarre. I thought we'd been in here for like 12 or 14 hours. It should be um, nighttime or like, you know, in the morning. And um, so when I got, it was like, when I got out, I looked, well, it was raining and it was dark outside. My point being is that even the light that was happening outside was brighter than what was happening in the cave. And I was able to see, even though it was raining and it was overcast, that still produced light. And there are things sometimes in, in, in that environment and this uh, and going into a cave that you need a lot of illumination. If you don't have an illumination, you can be you can lose your way, you can lose your path. And it's very important to have a lot of light in an environment like this. You can go into places like this that is like, it's like a coliseum. It's like a stadium. I've been in like stadium-sized rooms underground. When people think of being underground, they think of you're always crawling or you're always got your head sideways in like a stream of water like crawling through. But like caving, there can be very big rooms. So the whole premise of what I'm talking about is having the eyes of your heart enlightened because when the eyes of your heart are enlightened, you will be able to illuminate the things that are already freely given to you in Christ. And I'm going to take us down a path and take us down a journey of what, it's, what it looks like for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. So I'm, I'm going to be in Ephesians a lot today. And, you know, it's just so cool when you notice in conversation with people, you know, that God is speaking a lot of the same things to us right now. And it's really cool when God is confirming things that God is speaking to you through somebody else. And this year, you know, like on staff, we don't always talk a lot about exactly like, okay, this year it's going to be this. It's like, it's just God is, and Adam would testify to that, that God is working and speaking to us and in the same way and communicating things to us that we haven't communicated with each other. And so this year, we believe this year is the year of Ephesians. Like that's, I, from day one, Clint's been saying it here on Sundays, and some of it, this might testify with some of you guys, because you might be like, yeah, I'm, I'm on that, I'm on that journey too, I'm feeling that. And Clint keeps saying, he's like, this is the year of Ephesians. Well, from like day one of this year, I have felt like Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians. And so probably most of the time that I speak this year, it's going to be coming out of Ephesians. So if we would, if you have your Bibles, um, I, I would recommend um, just following along, especially with this, because it's, you know, sometimes when we look at a, a set of scriptures, sometimes it's even like 
it's beneficial to see what precedes, what's before, and what's after, even in the midst of speaking, because it can help even give you a greater and fuller concept. And let me just say that Ephesians, man, Ephesians 1 is so good. It's so good, and I just, in reading this, it was just like, man, I want to become this. And let me, let me um, help you understand, when I say become, I'm not saying that I'm not something. I'm saying that when I want to become this, I'm saying I want to see these words that are written down become a reality in my life. And when you read it from that perspective, it can be challenging in the sense of like, but it's not to be challenging that we can't do it, but it's to, to labor into that rest of believing that this is true about me. And so Ephesians 1, uh, verse 15. So this is a prayer that Paul prays, and just, and just really pay attention to this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of in the knowledge of him. Now pay attention the way that Paul prays. Paul doesn't ask God to do something. You understand? Paul, right off the bat, the apostle Paul is praying that you would have the spirit of wisdom and have revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. He's not praying that God would move on your behalf and fix all your problems. He's praying that you would understand what has already been given to you. In verse 18, having, so this is where my message comes from. This is the title of my message. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, other versions, some versions say, uh, instead of hearts, says understanding. But I, I did a little bit just looking at it. I, f- I feel like heart fits more. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So pay attention. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So the evidence that your heart is enlightened, pay attention, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, 
not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Like things like that, pay attention. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He's talking about us. Like we are in the age. This isn't for the apostles. This isn't for just the time. This is for the age that was in the age to come. Say, I'm in the age to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There is so much in those set of verses. We can read that and we can just easily skim over what is being said. But what it's saying that is if our hearts are enlightened, then we would know our calling. We would know our glorious inheritance, that we would know the power that is within us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, if that's not challenging, I don't know what is. And it's not only what raised him from the dead, but it's also what seated him at his right hand. You know, God is operating in majesty and power and authority at a sitting position. Do you know that we are called to walk in that same power and that same dominion and that same authority at a seated position? It says it. It says it in the next chapter in Ephesians 2.5 that we are seated with him in heavenly places. This is what belongs to us. We got to know that we are the sons and the daughters of the living king. Like this is a truth and this is a reality. And it has to come by Revelation. You know, just like that pit that I showed you, Revelation simply means, in the most simpler, simplest terms, it's just the act of revealing something. And see, there was a whole lot that I couldn't see. I'm on this little rope in the midst of this gigantic abyss, and I'm just cruising along, and I'm not able to see what's all around me. But when you shed a little bit of light on it, it reveals what is there, what is available, where I can go, what I can see. And so Revelation, it's pulling the curtain back on things in your life that you can't see. And that only happens through the heart. You can try to intellectualize it. You can try to get all the knowledge. You can try to get all the information that you want to get. But until it's by the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of you and it, the curtain is removed and you can see. See, in my own life, personally, I was a drug, I was a drug addict. That wasn't my identity, but I identified with being a drug addict. 
I was saved at the age of 14 and didn't know anything about Jesus. I just knew that I needed to be saved and I believed it happened. But I didn't, I didn't hear Jesus. I didn't hear about my identity in Christ. I didn't know my inheritance. I didn't know that God had a calling on my life. I didn't know that there was a power on the inside of me that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living in me. And see, that's real. I'm, I'm struggling in addiction. I'm struggling in something that has a grip on my life. And it may not be addiction for some of us. It may be depression. It may be anxiety. It may be, it may be anything that is weighting us down. But I got a revelation of who God said that I was, that in my spirit, regardless of my emotions, regardless of my feelings, regardless of how I'm outwardly walking in my life, that this is what God says about me. This is what God says is true about me. And regardless of everything else going on in my life, I made a decision. I made a decision that I was going to believe. See, sometimes we think that we got to have this level of faith to experience this. And I'm telling you, I didn't have any level of faith. I just said, I want to believe that. I'm tired. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of seeing my friends die from overdose. I'm tired of seeing this. And I made a decision that I'm going to believe. There was a man in my... In, that I started to listen to, and he spoke truth about who I was in the spirit, that I was holy and I was perfected and that I was righteous and that everything that belonged to Jesus was on the inside of me. And it completely revolutionized my life. I was just reminded sitting here just last weekend after this happened, after the truth exploded in my heart and I just made a decision, I said, I'm just, I'm going to believe this. I don't, I don't really know what to do. I don't understand this, but I'm just going to believe this and I just receive it by faith right now in Jesus' name. And I just got flooded with God's love and God's peace and God's truth and everything that I was hearing was becoming a reality in my heart. And for, for the next like two weeks, I couldn't do anything, but I would wake up and I would, and I would dance. Sorry for that visual for you guys. <laughs> but I would just wake up and I would just dance. And not because I was trying to stir myself up, not because it was like, oh, that's what people do when they're happy. I was just like, Man, this truth is so real on the inside of me. I got to do something about it. I got to move. I got to dance. And listen, nothing had changed in my life. Nothing. I still lived in this crummy basement with concrete floors, and I had... Uh, I always kept it really dark in my room. I always kept like blankets over all the windows. It was just not, it was a crazy, crazy place to be. 
and I got, you know, I got this revelation. I took the blankets off. I was like, let the light come in. And that's what I'm talking about is, is having your heart enlightened with the truth of God's word and what he's saying about you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 17, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Do you think God is withholding that? Like, do you think God is not wanting to give us that? And this happens that the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him happens by having the eyes of your heart enlightened. You know, the thing about this power that rests in the inside of us, like, yeah, it's great. I, 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 I'm, I'm compl- I love praying for people. I love seeing the power of God. And I love that. But... I think sometimes we have this understanding of power that we think we got to go like go out there and do like a bunch of supernatural acts. Like I said that's a part of it, but this dominion and this power and this authority that's been given to us is more about going back to the place of our origin. See, when God created man, when God created woman, he said, multiply, be fruitful, and subdue the earth to rule over it, to have dominion over everything. And we may, like, think of that in terms of, like, you know, he's wanting to, you know, Take over the world and do all these things. Like we think, sometimes I think when we think of power, like we put like a negative, you know, like a negative like mindset with that that comes with that. But power, like really in its simplest form, and I was reading this in 1 Kings 5 that God wanted to build the temple through David, but because David was surrounded by enemies, God didn't want the temple to be built through David, so he wanted his son Solomon to build the temple. Well, it says that he built the temple because he had been at rest from all around him of all his enemies. The enemies of the nation of Israel had been subdued, had been ruled. The things that were constantly nagging and tagging and and creating conflict and chaos, they had been put underneath the soles of Israel's feet. So to walk in power... It really, to me, it means more than just this outward show, but it's saying all my enemies, all the things that have been speaking to me that are contrary to who I am, they have been placed underneath my feet, that I have been given rest 
from all sides. Not just a power to do this outwardly show, but a power that provides a rest in our lives, no matter what we're going through, what we're doing. And the same can be true with our eyes being enlightened. You know that the eyes of our hearts can also be darkened. Like if we can't, if we can't see this truth, and yes, we are complete in him and, and full of him, but the eyes of our heart can't see, just like in, uh, in, when I was in that pit, there was so much for me to see, but I was limited to see. So let's, so the question is, how do we enlighten the eyes of our heart? So, Verse James one twenty two through verse twenty five, and I um, I pulled this from the Passion translation, and I just it says the same thing in other translations. I just sometimes I like the poeticness of certain translations, and I thought this was um, a very poetic way to say the same thing that I'm trying to uh, bring across. But it says verse twenty two says. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. I immediately thought as a new parent, like with my kids, I'm like, don't just listen to what we say. Do it, right? (laughs) So always let his word become like like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. Verse 24, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. You get a glimpse. You get a glance. You you see something. But then you go out and forget your divine origin. Now, I could say that all of us at some point in our life have forgotten what we look like. It's just, I mean, we, we, we have this body and we have this soul and we, and we live in this world. And so there are things that can easily distract us and pull us away from remembering what we look like in the mirror. Verse 25, but those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. Amen. That's good. So the, the point is this set of scriptures is in is instructing us that the word of God is like a mirror. It is, it is like a mirror. It is something that we look into and we trust what we see. Now, I wanted to quickly, this verse 25, when it says, set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, it's like we automatically hear a law sometimes and we just have, a negative connotation with that. But 
this law is not talking about the type of law of the Mosaic law or the Ten Commandments. This is more talking about like the law of gravity and action. And so I pulled this um, definition out of Thayer's Greek and it says, listen to this, this is good. It says, the impulse to right action emanating from the spirit. See, so, so what this saying is when you gaze into the perfecting law of liberty, that is God's word, what will happen in your life is that you will be impulsed to right action, to righteousness, to the things of God effortlessly. Because this is who you are. And you'll make decisions according to see. It says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the way that we see ourselves, we will make decisions and we will make choices based upon how we see ourselves. And there is a way that you can look so deeply into this mirror that you will be impulsed, impulsed, that, you know, that it is, there should be an impulse in our life to do good even when we don't feel like doing good. That when there's someone in need and we don't have the time, there would be an impulse on the inside of us to do what God is leading us to do because we are that's who we are. So the word of God is a mirror we look into to see what God sees in us. You know, man, there's so many things I didn't see in my life. When I just began looking into this mirror, I mean, I say it a lot, but for me, for me to communicate and be up here and, and to present and speak to you, I'm telling you, this, is not, this isn't of my own ability. I, I, this is not something of my own power. I can't, in my own strength, if I trust in myself, very limited. But if I see myself as God sees me, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That if I'm feeling uh, anxiety or, or pressure, that the truth of who I am is that I have the peace of God that guards my heart. Have you ever, has anybody ever woken up late before? <laughs> now, now, this illustration might not apply to some of you guys, but... Um, have you ever woken up late? And I'm, I'm thinking about, I mean, this, I've woken up recently where this happened, but um, have you ever woken up late one time and you don't even have time to look at the mirror or anything, you know, just like phew, running out the door? And you get to wherever you're going and somebody's like, man, you just woke up, didn't you? <laughs> and you're like, no, yeah. And you got like this big piece of hair sticking up, you know, something like that. And see, just like, and you, you know, you, you run out the door and you're feeling, you're making sure everything's good. You don't even have time to look into the mirror. 
and you're running out the door and you're evaluating what you look like based upon what you feel. And so we do the same. We have to do this. We have to look into a mirror and we have to trust in that. Like, oh, okay, I'm good. We were at a, we went up to Kentucky this last weekend. We did like this crazy spontaneous trip up to the Ark. And uh, I don't know what kind of hotel that was, babe, but they had, <laughs> they had a, a mirror on the inside that made you look short and fat. I mean, <laughs> right? And so, you know, I mean, if, if that was the only mirror that you saw, though, you would think that you're short and fat. <laughs> but you, you know, and so you have to look at a mirror that's correct, a mirror that's truth. And so we have, we can't just go by how we feel. We can't just go on the emotions. Emotions are real. <laughs> they are very real. But let me tell you, they're not truth. There's something that is more true than your feelings. There's something more true than what you're going through. There's something more true than what people say about you or what's always been told to you or what's what you've, that, that just underlying feeling when this trigger happens and you just say, you know what, I just can't do anything, right? That's not who you are. You got to look into the word and trust in it. I'm going to quickly just read Mark 14 through 14 through 20. And it's, I'm, I'm not really going to spend time teaching on this, but it's just here to show you that it's essentially saying the same thing that James 1, verse 25 is saying. And it says, the sower sows the word. So Jesus is giving the parable about the sower and he's explaining what the parable means to his disciples. And so he says, the sower sows the word, the word being the word of God. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those, hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. Oh, that is so true. And it proves unfruitful, verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil, say good soil, are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Those who bear the fruit of the word are those who look into the mirror and don't forget the soil of your heart, it's constantly rehearsing and reminding yourself 
of His truth and His Word in your life. And so I'm going to talk about truths to ensure the, war, the Word has entrance to illuminate the eyes of the heart. I'm just going to go through these quickly. Number one is keep God's life-giving truth from becoming common in your heart. And what do I mean by that? I mean that something that is, is sacred is to be highly valued and highly prized. Right? We, we can see it in our own lives and our families where our, our spouses, our children, uh, our people that are close to us, we can let relationships become common, right? We can forget the sacredness of, of the people closest to us. We can, we can forget, we can let our, our, our testimony, you know, that was, I was reminded of something that I hadn't reminded myself of years, of just a, just a aspect of that of that truth, of that testimony, of that salvation where God brought me out of darkness and, and brought me into the light of his dear son, is we can let our, our personal testimony become a common thing. We can let it go by as, you know what, God, you know, where we're saying, you know, God really hadn't done anything in my life recently. And it's like, you know, if you pay attention to people, and it's not about comparing, it's just you, you learn from people, right? The people that have this 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold in their life, or what, they have this, they just, they're constantly full as they're constantly rehearsing what God has done in their life. And so we, this word, it's something I've been doing personally in my life is um, something I used to do when I first tried to get every, every word that I'm reading, I, I, I want to believe this. I want it to be true in my life. Because I, I would just write down, I probably nearly wrote down the whole New Testament. And I just wanted to get this on the inside of me. And so I, I've gone back to a place in my life to where just writing down the whole entire book of Ephesians. And and what it does is it causes you one thing to see, because when you see it in the Bible, it doesn't look like it's a lot of content. But then you freehand and you write it, and you see that a chapter is like three pages. And you're like, wow, this is a lot. And you taking that time to slow down and write, you think about every single word. You know, every single word has significance. The thes and the and the buys and the according to and therefores and all the things and that whole genealogy that whole thing of names that we don't understand why it's there all that stuff it's got significance it's got valued it's it's sacred and so part of the word to have entrance to illuminate the eyes of your heart make sure that the word doesn't become common it's you you hold it you treasure it just like you treasure something that you dearly love treasure it 
Number two, be proactive in your thought life. Say amen to that. You know, we, um, it's easy to get into what I call a passivity thought life sometimes. And sometimes it's rightfully so. I mean, it's, man, when you just get hammered by storms in our lives, you don't want, you want to just let those thoughts just go wherever they may. You understand? When you get stressed or you get pulled down or you get, I mean, when I get sick or I get tired, like, all right, you know, the easiest temptation is to turn on Netflix and just binge, right? And where do your thoughts go? They go wherever they want to go. And I'm not telling you not to watch TV. I'm telling you to be proactive in your thought life because it's incredibly subtle, the things that are creating conflict and chaos in our lives. It's very subtle. It just happens by a whisper, a whisper, a whisper, and then you think that own thought is your own. You need to be proactive when thoughts that are contrary to God's word comes up on the inside, first of all, you don't take ownership of that. You identify it. Thought, you don't belong to me. This isn't who I am. And you think you're crazy talking to yourself. (laughs) But it doesn't belong to you if you know your inheritance and you know your calling and the power that's on the inside of you, and you know, I look into this mirror, I look into this word, this is who I am. These thoughts that are coming up, they don't line up to what this word says about me. I'm not going to let it have a seed to where it it can root itself down. I'm going to, kill that thing, I'm going to cut that thing before it even has any time to to root itself into my heart, into my life, to where when, see, a lot, Clint said something in the men's meeting that I have to repeat. Because sometimes in life, you know, we want to believe on 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 a part of the character of God or the promise of God when we need it. But sometimes in life when the storm comes and we need that promise, sometimes we're not able. We're not able to grab a hold onto that promise. And so, you know, be proactive in rehearsing the the character of God. God, he's a God of peace. He's a God of restoration before you need those things. Plant those seeds because when the time comes, You'll have something to grab a hold on to. You'll have something to anchor your life into. 
Ethan, you want to come up? I got a fun little illustration for y'all. <laughs> Point number three is be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Build up an appetite for the things of God. You know, Jesus said when he was being tempted by the devil, you know, I always laugh at this part because you're probably like, what do you, la- what do you mean? <laughs> it says that he, was, he fasted for 40 days, and then it says, next verse, and he was hungry. <laughs> like, you're not going to add another adjective there? Yeah. I'm like, man, he was hungry, I bet. But when Jesus was out there and the devil said he was hungry, he said, turn this bread and or turn this stone into bread. And what did he say? He said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And see, that's what you're doing when you're looking at that mirror. You're saying, I I don't just live on bread alone. I don't just live on physical things that I can see, that I can touch, that I can hear. But I feed on, on the spiritual truth of what Jesus has done for me, what work has been done for me, that 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that says, I'm a new creation, behold, all. Old things, have, uh, old things have passed away. All things have become new. So I was sharing this um, with uh, Lyle, our other drummer. I was sharing what I was going to talk about, the eyes of a heart being enlightened. And uh, he's like, he was telling me this vision that he was having. He was sick. And he was, he's like, I just laid the word on my head. I was just laying on the pillow, just laying the word on my head, you know. You might need to do that. (laughs) Do whatever you can to get it in there. He's like, I got uncomfortable that way as I laid it back behind my head, you know. And he's like, he's like, dude, I had the craziest vision, you know, while I was sleeping. And he had this picture of this. I asked him if I could share this, and he's like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, it is a picture of this three-valve heart, and it was water being poured onto it. And as it was being poured, and it was like this water, this substance was God's truth and God's love and every, just everything about him just being poured onto this heart, and out of it came flowers. And so I'm going to end this uh, message So, these ping pong balls, these these represent your thoughts, okay? And so, in life, and this represents, like I just said, this represents God's word. This represents God's truth. This represents everything that God says about you. And so, sometimes in life, and this represents, like, your soul and your heart, So this isn't the spirit of you. Remember, your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is blameless. Your spirit is holy. It's identical to Jesus. But we got to get what's in our spirit into our soul. We got to get it into our body. When you get 
to an agreement, the other one has to come, right? And so if we can get our soul and our spirit against our body, then our body just has to line up. And so we fill our life with God's word. We fill it with his truth. Can y'all see? And so there's, there's a little bit of water. This may be, you know, I just come to church on Sunday, you know, just kind of, you know, I'm good. But you still got all this stuff going on in your life. You still got these thoughts that are, that are contrary to who he says that you are and stuff that you've dealt with your whole life. But here's the truth. You just keep filling yourself. You just keep filling yourself with God's truth and God's life. And you keep doing it. And these thoughts, they just begin to fall away. They just start coming out. All right, got a little bit more water coming. So we keep going. We're not done yet. Well, you might be done. You're like, okay, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I'm good with my life. I got, you know, I have some progress. But God has abundantly more than we can ask or think. Then you're pouring this water. Greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. God says, I'm a new creation. God says, I have the peace of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm blameless. Sin has no power over me. I have dominion over sin. It doesn't have authority in my life. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to his truth. And this is what you originally look like. This is who you are. You're born again spirit. It's perfected. It's clean. It's holy. This is who you are. Now watch this. So these thoughts, these things that are destroying our lives because, you know, every problem in our life is it's a matter of what we've been thinking on. You don't ever go anywhere that you haven't first thought about or been in your heart. You don't just one day do something that you shouldn't have done. It becomes this thought. And so this thought comes back. Listen. It can't go any deeper when you're full. It stays on the surface. See, when you're full of God's word and you're full of his truth, these thoughts, they only can hit the surface. And listen, when they're on the surface, you can detect them. And you can deal with them. And you can be proactive with them. Isn't that good news? Your life cannot be filled all at once, though. You can't fill your life like you're cramming for a test. <laughs> you can't. You got to be filled with God's truth, but it must become a lifestyle. It must become a, a, an, a, a daily thing that you... Give him that place. You sanctify God in your heart. So my question for you is, how could your life look different if you were filled to overflowing? And not continually forgetting what you looked like in the mirror of God's word.
So my homework for you this week is find a chapter in the Word that speaks to you about your identity, your inheritance, what God says about you, and begin writing it out this week, freehanded. Well, I don't do that. Okay, well, keep living the way you're living. I mean, it's really simple. It really is. For whatever reasons, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, it, it's, it's a journey, right? It's a journey. But let's move past where we've been and make a decision to move forward. To not let the things that keep coming up and causing death and destruction in our life and it may be so subtle but that subtle thing may change in whatever environment you are in you may think oh this thought I'm having it's not a big deal but you don't and you might be placed in a different environment where that thing that you thought was not a big deal becomes a big deal and so God we just thank you God, we thank you that you have filled us with your truth. You've filled us with your love. God, we just make a decision today, God, to be full of your life, to be full of your word, to look into your word that you have spoke and to let our lives just be a reflection of that, of everything that you already say about us, God, that we would know that we really are. We really are your children. You really are our father. You really are our dad. And you have provided everything for your children, not withholding anything. God, we thank you that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened by revelation and the knowledge of you, that we could see everything that's before us. God, all the riches and the treasures of your kingdom that, that come in seed form, God, and we take hold of that seed, God, and your word will do what it's meant to do and it will bear fruit in our lives, God. God, we just make our hearts sensitive to you. God, and we just rest in your unfailing love, God. We just release condemnation. We just release any feelings of not feeling worthy, God. God, your blood has made us worthy to come boldly before your throne of grace in any time of need, whether we're weak, and we will gather strength in your name. God, and we just thank you for that. We rest in that, and we just glorify your holy and wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.